remain standing. We're going to read just a couple verses out of Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? How many of y'all are glad God's in control? Amen. And he's not going to resign either. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter number 3, we're going to begin in verse 1, and uh, we'll read down to verse number 12 here this evening. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad I have a word from the Lord. Uh, For sure, for sure. I was talking with somebody before tonight. And uh, the Word of God is so amazing because it's alive. It's, it's, it's a living document. It is God's mind on paper. And uh, it, it'll never be outdated. It, it'll never be outdone. Uh, it endureth to all generations. And, and it, you can't read it like you read the Wall Street Journal. You can't read it like you read Time Magazine. Uh, God reveals things. And I, I was telling them, I said, I read it, and I'll read it, and I'll read it, and I'll read it. And it's kind of like uh, one of those optical illusions that you see on the computer or whatever that you just, it looks it's like a big jumbled mess, and then the more you focus on it, it just starts falling into place and everything, and then you see the real picture, and that's what we're going to see tonight. It's great, great, great stuff, all right? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, if you found your spot, say amen. amen. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. How many of y'all would like them three things? Uh, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, so far, through Proverbs up to this point, uh, you have been seeing kind of an introductory type wording. Uh, This is what wisdom is. This is how you get it. Uh, uh, This is what it'll do for you. But now we're starting to get into the real meat of what he's trying to teach us and what we need to learn. In verse number, uh, verse number five, we begin with it, all right? Trust in the Lord. Say that with me. With all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, how many of them? In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for an opportunity tonight to come share it with so many people who desire to hear from you. Now, Lord, I believe with all of my heart I have the word that you've given us for tonight. I believe I have what you want me to tell them. But, Lord, I desperately need your anointing. I desperately need the Holy Ghost to take over my thought process and my mind. And and the words that come from my my heart through my mouthpiece, I pray, God, that you will use it for your glory. I pray that you'll be magnified in everything that's said because this is not about me. This is about you. Lord, uh, 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 Lord, help us to decrease but you to increase in everything that we do. As we are here to develop as disciples, Father, I pray that we'll grow closer and closer and closer to you every day day of our life I pray your will be done in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said amen Amen. you may be seated you may be seated 
I want to I want to teach just a little while tonight. I, I I really got a lot of information, and uh, I, I really didn't mean to do it this way, but they they all go together, so we'll have to do it. Uh, and and I'll just have to go quick with it. But I want to teach tonight just a little while on the subject trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. If there's ever been a time, if there's ever been a time that we need to really focus and we really need to get something, it's tonight. Uh, there has never been a time, in my opinion, where the, the, the church, the body of Christ, needs to trust God that he knows what he's doing. Trust in the Lord. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean? Why would, why would he say that? Like, why would he address us in that way? Because he knew there would be times in our life and issues that we would face in our life that did not make sense. We would not understand it. it would not, we would not be able to comprehend it and, it, and it just wouldn't register in our heart. And at that time, he says, trust in the Lord. You know, uh, uh, D.L. Moody said this, trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in money and you may have it taken from you. Trust in your reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God, and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Now, you say, well, I've got friends I can trust. Listen, they can let you down and not even mean to. They are human. They are made of simple flesh. And the Bible says this in Psalms 118, 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Psalms 37, 5 says this, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now what does it mean? Literally, what does it mean to trust in the Lord? Uh, the word trust, if you'll look it up in your Strong's Concordance, the word trust means literally to hide in a refuge. To hide in a refuge. How many of y'all have ever seen one of the cartoons or maybe maybe a movie where this, this animal was fleeing from uh, something that's trying to eat it or something that's trying to destroy it? Uh, maybe, maybe a rabbit is running from a fox and, and that rabbit's running and running and running and running and his heart's beating 100 miles an hour and it's breathing hard and it's just trying to get away. It's trying to survive. It's trying to make it. Oh, if I, if I could just get a little further, it's right on my heels. And I, has there, You ever felt like that in life? Seems like everywhere you turn is a dead end, and listen, and, and the enemy is right on your back. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, his eye catches focus on his refuge. And that rabbit darts into that refuge, and he goes down into that hole. And as he's in that hole, he is safe. He is secure. The enemy cannot get to him. And this is what happens. When that rabbit's in there, he goes, that's trust. And that is what the, 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 the writer is trying to help us understand that when it comes to things in life, when we're heart, listen, our heart is beating 100 miles an hour, when we're being chased by the enemy, when we don't understand the circumstances that we're facing and we're going through, we don't understand why things are falling apart all around us, we can go to the Lord and the Lord is our security, the Lord is our refuge and we can go, And know everything's going to be okay. Trust in the Lord. 
Lean on him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Three things. Three things that I saw. He didn't just, he didn't just tell you to trust him. He shares three different areas of your life. And all of us go through these areas. I don't care who you are. We all have these areas in our life. Three different things, three different areas of our life where we're going to have to trust him and put our faith in him and rest in him knowing he knows what he's doing. Are you all with me? Say amen. The Bible says this. Where, where, where do we trust him first? Where do we trust him first? It says in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all thy, say it with me, in all thy ways, in all thy ways. The word way, it's, this is the definition. It's the course of life, the mode of action. In other words, it's your decisions and your direction. Everything you are and what you do in your life, God is saying, trust him with it. In your decisions, trust him with it. In the direction of your life, trust him with it. Whatever you do, trust him with it. Your way, your life, everything going on in your life. Now watch this. This is really cool right here. Write this down. A, write this down. I want you to see the realm of trust. The realm of trust. Look what he says in verse number six. What's the second word in verse number six? In, come on, get with me. In, in all thy ways. What does that mean? It literally means in the, in the Hebrew language, it literally means all thy ways. Everything. A woman came to her, a woman came to her pastor and said, uh, now do we really need to go to God with the little things in our life? You know, do we really need to go to God with the little things? In other words, she's <clears throat> making the in, insinuation that we should just take big things to God. And this is the pastor's reply. Do you really think that God thinks that anything you go through is big to him? Now, some of y'all didn't get that, so let me read it again. She said, she said uh, uh, would God want her to bring the little things in her life to him? Now, the pastor replies, do you really think that God thinks that anything you go through is big to him? That's pretty good, isn't it? Now watch this. What does this mean? What does this mean? Our ways. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding, but in all thy, but in all thy, that's, that's your way of life, your living, your behavior, your decisions that you make every day, the direction of your life, your choices, everything about your life, your hopes, your dreams, your desires. We are to acknowledge him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Now, the word acknowledge, if you'll look that up, I did a whole lot of word study throughout this thing, and I put the definitions in your notes, and this is what the word acknowledge means. It means to recognize the authority of, or recognize his authority and his power. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? We need to recognize the fact that God has a right to tell us what to do. Everybody wants him to be their savior. But not everybody wants him to be their Lord. Every, and did you get what I said right there? Everybody wants a ticket out of hell and they want to go to heaven. And everybody wants him to pay their sin debt. Everybody wants him to wash their sins away. Everybody wants him to make sure that, 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 they, that they're going to make it to glory and they need a Savior. 
But they don't understand when you receive a Savior, He is Lord also. Whether you want it to be that way or not, He is Lord. He has a rightful authority, a rightful power to tell us what to do. You mean to tell me I need to pray about what I buy? Absolutely. You mean to tell me I need to pray about where I live? Absolutely. You need to tell me I need to pray about little decisions in my life? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, was, I had a professor teaching in, in college one night, and he was talking about this subject, about how we should pray for even the little things. Even the little things from God. And he used the illustration. He said he had a pastor, a friend of, mine, friend of his, that was an evangelist that went around, you know, uh, to different churches and different cities and different communities preaching. And he was in a shoe store, and he was praying about what shoes to wear. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, how many of y'all, have, well, I'm not even going to ask that. I'm not even going to ask that. I have never prayed about what shoes to buy. Are y'all with me? I just, I, I, I just never thought about that. And, 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 but this guy... He was just that type. He prayed about everything. And so he's sitting in this store, and he's looking at these shoes, and he's praying, and he said the brightest colored shoes that you'd ever seen, purple shoes. Purple. What color? Purple, purple shoes. Shining so bright, they came with batteries. Say amen. <laughs> I mean, they hummed when he walked. Are y'all with me? He said he prayed and he saw them shoes. And God impressed him to buy them shoes. And this is a true story. And he said, he said, there's no way, this can't be. God impressed on him about so he bought the shoes. The next church he was at, he wore them ugly things. <laughs> he said that he was up on the platform preaching, and throughout the whole service, there was this little young fella little elementary school kid that sat on the front row and the whole sermon he was like <laughs> didn't hear a word the man said just he said the next night that front pew was completely full of little boys because <laughs> that one little fella Went to school and said, you ain't never seen the shoes that I saw last night at church. <laughs> and he brought all his friends to come see them shoes, and several of them got saved. Now, listen, this is the deal. Don't underestimate what God wants to do with you. Don't think that anything's too small for him. Don't think that anything is, well, God don't care about this. God cares about every, if he's got your hairs numbered, he cares. Are y'all with me? Listen, the realm of our trust. If we're going to trust him with our decisions, if we're going to trust him with our ways, we see the realm of trust is all thy ways, everything. Let's trust him with everything. Let's pray about everything. Let's lean on him with everything. Let's acknowledge him and recognize his authority over all of our life. Not only the realm of our trust, but B, write this. Don't you see the results of trust? The results of our trust. He says this. In all thy ways acknowledge him, all, that's the realm, and he shall direct thy path. That's the results. Now, he shall direct. The word direct is, is coming from a word guide, to guide. 
Why do people use guides when they go to a foreign country or when they go fishing or when they go hunting? Because they're trusting in his knowledge. They're trusting that he knows more about the place than what they do. So they are trusting in a guide. Wouldn't you like to know that God was guiding all of your decisions? Now think about this. How many of y'all have made bad decisions? Now how many of (coughs) y'all would have made a bad decision if he was your guide? Now think about how many bad decisions we would have made if we sincerely prayed to God about it and surrendered to his will to it. How many bad decisions would we have made? Wouldn't that have been great? Why should I pray about where I work? Because he's already been there. He's already scouted the trail. A guide goes before you. A guide has already been there does that that's why they know hey there's a canyon up ahead we need to go two miles this way and go around or there's a ravine over here he's gone ahead of you and I'm glad he is our guide but he cannot be our guide unless we ask him to be in all our ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our path he will direct us now now trust me Here's, here, we, we're, here, let's think about who we're talking to here. We're talking about the God who's created everything and he knows how everything should operate in the greatest way and greatest fashion. And so he loves us with every fiber of our being. He loves us more than we even love ourselves. He loves us so he wants the very best for us. So where do you think he's going to guide us? And what is the very best for our life? Acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. Then then see. I want you to see not only the realm of trust, the results of trust, but look at the reminder. The reminder in trust. Look what he says in verse number 7. Some of us here need to get this tonight. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Say it with me. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, what does that mean? Be not wise in thine own eyes. I wrote this down, and, and, and it is really important. Don't ever, don't ever overestimate what you think you know. Did y'all catch that? Don't overestimate what you think you know. How many of y'all got teenagers in here? Anybody got teenagers in here? Have you killed any of them yet? How do you feel? How do you feel when your teenager's standing there in front of you and, 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 and they've really acted ignorant or they've really messed up something and, and or they're really going a wrong direction or really doing something that's really not conducive to their best outcome in life? And uh, and you say, Now look, this is this is what is right. This is what you need to do, or this is the best way to do it. And this is what they say all the time. I know. If you knew, why didn't you do it? Do I have a witness, parents? And see, God is trying to tell us, look, be careful what you think you know. I know you think you know what's best for you. I know you think you know this dude real good. 
I know you think you know this woman real good. I know you think you know this job or this opportunity real good. I know you think you've got it all together. But he's saying, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you know more than what you do know. I also put right under that too. This is really good. Never let your feelings outweigh the facts. You know what happens? We get, we get to, to dating and all that kind of stuff, and feelings get aroused, and, and, and we, have, we have feelings just towards somebody, and then when facts show up that don't support our feelings, we go more with our feelings than we do the facts. We really love this guy, but he's sorry and won't work. You know, we really feel love toward this woman, but she's nothing but a nag. And and here's what happens. Science science has proven this. Love is blind. Literally, there's something that takes place in the brain that masks the, the, the negatives that's there because you really like them and your feelings are there now and you can't see what everybody else sees. And how many times, how many times have we made poor decisions because we allowed our feelings to outweigh the facts? All right. I'm really debating on how deep I want to go with this right here. Uh, How many times, how many times have you heard so far the word truth or the word word knowing the word and thy word is truth and basically what what the writer is saying is you got to know facts facts here's what happens here's what happens when it comes to a lot of things in our life salvation when it comes to you know issues and decision making we, we have facts and feelings and faith. And a lot of times, this is the way it should be. This is the way it should be. Facts, let's use it as a train. Facts should be the locomotive. Faith should be the passenger car. Feelings should be the caboose. No matter, no matter how you feel about something, no matter how you feel, if, whether you're saved or not, if you did what God said to be saved, whether you feel it or not, Facts are facts. You say, whether I don't, I don't feel like God loves me. Well, the fact is, he does. And it's irrelevant how you feel because the fact is, God is love. Beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Are y'all with me? That's a fact. But a lot of times our feelings don't line up with the facts. But never let your feelings outweigh the facts. Are y'all with me? You'll make the worst decisions you'll ever make in your entire life when you operate by feelings. 
People come into my office all the time, and, 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 and they'll, they'll, they'll lay out the situation, and then I'll pull out the Bible, and that's, that's all I can do. That's all I have. I don't have a law degree. I don't have a psychology degree. All I've got is my Bible. That's all I've got. And when you come to me with an issue, I go to the Bible and say, okay, what does the Bible say about this situation? This is what the Bible says. But preacher, I just feel. How's that working for you? Are you all with me? He says, be not wise in that own eyes. Don't operate with feelings. Don't operate with your understanding. You've got to trust God. If God says no and you don't understand, trust him. Trust him. It's kind of like, like I go back to McKenzie with that hot wire that one day. With the baby goats. There was little pygmy baby goats, miniature little cute little boogers. That you just It was irresistible, but there was a hot wire there. She couldn't figure that out. She did not understand why I didn't want her around that little baby goat. But a few minutes later, she figured it out. <laughs> but think about this. That, that shock went away kind of fast. But what if the decision you make, you live with the rest of your life? Because we operated in feelings and not facts. Does this make sense? Listen, be not wise in thine own eyes. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. You know what you, you know a person you can't teach anything? The one that thinks they know everything. Amen? It says Isaiah 5, 21. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. The great hindrance to all true wisdom is the thought that we have already attained it. That we've already attained it. So what's the first place? What's the first area of our life that God wants us to trust him? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on thy own understanding, but in all thy ways. God wants us to trust him in our way of life. In our way of life. Now, number two. Look at, look at, verse, uh, uh, look at verse number nine. Look at verse number nine. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. All right? We found out in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 6 that God wants us to trust him in our ways. But then verse number 8 teaches us, or excuse me, verse number 9 teaches us that God wants us to trust him with our wealth. The word substance here is the Hebrew word which means wealth, material possessions, material things, all right? So God wants us to trust him with our wealth. Three things I want to share with you here tonight. A, write this down. There is a principle to examine. There is a principle to examine. In verse number 9, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance. Boy, if we can get this, it will really, really, really help us tonight. Now, we are, we are talking about in, 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 in Sunday morning worship, uh, we, we are kicking off our, our, our building campaign and our, our giving campaign, that type of thing. And, and this is an area where we're really going to have to trust the Lord. 
and there's something about giving. We talk about, we talk about generosity, we talk about giving, we talk about stewardship, uh, we talk about tithing and missions giving and, and all of these areas. Uh, and everybody gets queasy with this because uh, when it comes to money, everybody, and you hear people all the time, well, I don't believe in tithing, I don't believe in this. I, churches are all about money and it's all about this and it's all about that. And, and they, they neglect to, 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 to uh, speak up about the fact that Jesus spoke more about money than he did about hardly anything because it takes money to live it takes money to eat how many of y'all like to eat it takes money to operate this world is run by money it, it I mean this is it's just a common fact now what God is saying here he says I want you to trust me with this I want you to trust me with this. It's amazing. We can trust the Lord with our life and make sure we're going to heaven instead of hell, but when it comes to our pocketbook, we don't want to trust him with that. We, we want to trust him with our eternal destiny, but we're not willing to uh, trust him with our temporal time here on this earth. Now watch this. The first word in verse number 9. Tell me the first word, verse 9. What's the first word? Honor. Honor. This word means to promote or glorify. To promote, what's the principle we need to examine? That when we give, when we give, we are glorifying God. We are honoring Him. It is worship. Say that with me. It is. Say it again. It is. Now look what I wrote there. We honor Him with our singing, but do we honor Him with our... Now watch this. How many of y'all was here uh, when Brother Brian was here? Uh, the other day when he did the marriage deal and all that and, and spoke that Sunday morning and he spoke on glorifying God, bringing God glory and he explained that that meant making God look good. You know, we are, we are making God look good when we, when we do right and when we pray and when we sing and when we witness and when we help our fellow man. We're, we're, we're showing Christ to others that need him and we reflect a good uh, 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 representation of God and we make him, David gives uh, uh, said it well he's a, a preaching lawyer and uh, and he says you are supposed to make God look good with your life the whole purpose of the nation of Israel when they were called out uh, uh, to be a, a separate people when they were called out to be uh, uh, the light of the world uh, they were to be representatives of God to the rest of the whole entire world they were to make God look good they were to glorify him in all of their ways. And everything they did and everything that they were, everything, the, everything, their whole life was to glorify God. Now watch, watch what he's saying here. Is the way we are spending our money, using our substance, using our resources, are we making God look good? Or are we doing the opposite? Are we wasting our substance? Do you think it makes God look good when we have to uh, 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 beg, borrow, steal, and, 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 and cheat people to get a ham sandwich? That's not making God look good. And the majority of the times, now I'm not, I'm not taking away, I'm not taking away from, from bad situations to happen to good people who are trying their best to get up ahead and all that. But I tell you what, there is a great majority of Christians today who are making poor, poor decisions and they're not trusting the Lord in all their ways. And because of that, God's not directing their path. And because of that, they are in a bad way financially and it's not making God look good. 
When churches are having to go into bankruptcy, that does not make God look good. What does that tell? What does that tell the world who we are teaching and preaching to the world that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns everything, but we got to go to bankruptcy court? Does this make sense? Now here's the deal. Solomon is saying, now, now you got to get this. Solomon's one of the richest dudes in, in, in that's ever been on the planet. And he's saying, look, you need to trust God with this. Whether you have a dime in your pocket or you have a million dollars in the bank, you need to trust God with it. Whatever it is, trust God with your wealth. This is the principle. We honor him. We make him look good or we make him look bad by how we are stewards over everything he's given us. Because, ladies and gentlemen, whether you know this or not, everything you have belongs to him. My sister, she came up to me today, and, uh, and uh, uh, I don't think she'd mind me telling it. Uh, which I'm going to tell anyhow, but it, it uh, they had a yard sale the other day. She'd been just, it seems like if there's bad luck, we, we, we call it, we call it from Florida, we call it the Carter curse. Uh, except for my brother, he's immune, he's the luckiest human being on the planet. I mean, if it, anyhow, he'll win, it, I don't know how he does it, he just skipped a generation or something, I don't know, but we're just not lucky. We don't win nothing. I mean, I, I just, we don't, you know, I, I told you the other day, I thought I finally broke through. I finally broke the curse, and I got two, two pieces of bubble gum for a quarter, and Lee had to go and ruin that. Say amen. All right, now here's the deal. Here's the deal. She came to me, and she had a flat tire, and we had to get that, and that was money she really didn't have, so we had to go get a, 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 a tire to put on there, and then the, and her car broke down. And, and fully messed up. I mean, it's just everything in the world happens. So, so here she is. Here she is. Uh, had the yard sale. And, uh, and uh, she made $70 at the yard sale. And it was really to buy the, buy the, 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 the goofy tire that had to go on the car. And, uh, and so God said, are you going to tithe on that? She said, well, Lord, I didn't know I had to tithe on yard sale money. Us Carters ain't real spiritual sometimes, amen. And that, but that was, the, you know, I mean, if you, I'm selling stuff, so I'm really not making anything. So you know, I didn't know. I, and God said, "Well, you're gonna, you're gonna, what you gonna do with it?" So she said, "This Sunday, this Sunday, uh, uh, she took out seven dollars." Now, now, to some of y'all, this don't mean anything, but to enough of you poor people in here, you'll appreciate this. Seven dollars is a lot of money sometimes. And uh, so she took her seven dollars out and, and put it in the Auburn plate and then her and then her car tore up uh, Monday morning. And it was like, Really, Lord? And she said, I got home and I was kinda was kind of down in the mouth and, and uh so I started cleaning out closets and, and uh when I get depressed I don't clean nothing. I don't do anything. I just <laughs> But I guess that's her thing, and she starts cleaning stuff out. And, uh, and uh, uh, she took one of them, you know them bank envelopes that you get when they put your change in the, in the bank envelope? She said that was one in one of the purses. She took it and threw it away. And then she, she got it. There was another one, and she took it, and she went and threw it away. And, and their peripheral vision. <laughs> there was a little glimpse of green in amongst the white. Say Amen. And she opened that baby up, and there was a $50 bill in that envelope right there. 
And immediately I said, what about that other envelope? She said, don't worry, I checked it too. Hey, man, it was empty. Now, you believe all that? I could tell you story after story after story where God is just saved. God is just saved. Trust me. I want you to trust me. Not just with the decisions you make in your life, the way of life, but I want you to trust me with your wealth. Listen, there's a principle. There's a principle to examine. Then B, write this down. There's a pattern to exercise. There's a pattern to exercise. Now turn with me, turn with me in your book, your, your Bible, to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. Am I boring anybody? Help me. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. This is Jesus talking. If you have a red letter edition Bible, if you have a red letter edition Bible, this will be the Lord speaking. Now, while you're turning, I want to I go back to Proverbs and read this. Honor the Lord with thy substance. So here we have an, an aspect of worship. So would y'all agree with me? Would y'all agree with me that the writer of, of Proverbs right here is saying that your giving of your wealth and honoring God is worship? Will we all agree with that? Okay. All right. Now watch what he says. Watch what he says. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance or your wealth and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Every bit of it. In other words, whatever that is, God wants you, God wants you to honor him with it. Whatever comes in, God wants you to honor him with it and put it first. The key to the deal is that word first. Say it with me. That word do y'all remember a few weeks ago when we, when we put the whiteboard up here on Sunday morning and we made this whole list of things and we had, we had all these things, our responsibilities we had. We got the light bill and the phone bill and the, and, 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 and the food bill and, 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 and all these things we have. Y'all remember that? And then you say what most people do is put God down here and if we have anything left over then he's going to get a little bit. And that's completely backwards. And that's why we're completely broke all the time. If we will take God and put him, say it with me, we put him first, first. Now, let's look what Jesus says. Let's look at what Jesus says. Verse 19, Matthew 6, verse 19. Are you with me? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now watch this, verse 21, for where your treasure is, read it with me, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, your treasure. Your treasure and your heart is connected. You know, I, 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 I saw something again. I saw something again that I wish I'd have thought about uh, Sunday morning when I was preaching about all them fishing that boat. Do you realize that same scenario happened again? After the crucifixion, Peter was discouraged. Peter was down. He was disillusioned. And he went back to what was easy to him. It's very easy when we get down to go back to what we thought was easy. And the same thing happened. Didn't catch nothing. But then a stranger on the shore says, cash your net on the other side. What happened? Pulled in a multitude. Pulled in the multitude. 
Now, do y'all remember the last point of Sunday morning? That God does the miracle so you can put him first. Peter saw the miracle and he saw that his, his desire, his treasure, if you will, was in, the, in this boat. It was there. But something happened with his desire. The treasure became Jesus and not what was in the boat. But then when, when he went back, when he went back, y'all remember? Y'all remember? Stay with me. They came to shore, and while they were eating by the fire, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Okay, son, lovest thou me more than these? He wasn't pointing to the other disciples like some people say. Or excuse me, he was saying, look, am I going to be first? Am I going to be first? Am I a priority? Y'all with me? Preacher, what will be first in our life? Whatever we treasure. And God knows your treasure is connected to your heart. Remember what I said? There's a sciatic nerve that runs from your heart to your wallet. That's why you get heart palpitations every time we talk about giving. For where your treasure is, there will your heart. Now watch. Watch this. Watch this. He says in verse number 24, you there? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet of the body what ye shall put on, is not life more than me, and the body more than raiment. In other words, life consists of more than the material things, is basically what he's saying. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, uh, nor gather into the barn. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Because you can buy bed, but you can't buy sleep. You can buy food, but you can't buy an appetite. Y'all with me? You can buy friends, but you can't find, you can't buy love. It, you know, it's kind of like the... That young, young, young lady that was married to that old, old, old rich tycoon. And, she, and he asked her, said, said, honey, if I lost all my money, would you still love me? She said, darling, I sure would. And I'd miss you terribly. <laughs> Y'all are real slow tonight, people. It must have been a bad day today, amen? Now watch, watch. He talks about worrying. He talks about worrying now. How many of y'all have ever worried about money? There's some lying people in this house tonight. Let me try this again. How many of y'all have ever worried about money? Okay. All right. Now watch. He begins to talk about worrying. He says, don't take thought or worry. Don't worry about these things. He says, which of you, verse 27, which of you by taking thought or worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Why take ye thought, or worry, if you want to put that word there, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little? Therefore, take no thought, or don't, don't, what we shall eat, or what we shall drink, or wherewithal we shall be clothed. 
You know what? You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? Trust me. He's saying the same thing Proverbs says. Trust in the Lord with your wealth. Trust me. Watch this. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye. But seek ye. First. The kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Well that's a good thing we should learn. I'm going to preach one message one day just on that verse. Quit worrying about tomorrow. It may never come. You see, this is, this is why we're, we're having to take medicine. And, 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 and I, I read today, I read today, had on my desk, I read today a suicide note from a pastor who went through with it. And the note was to his family and to the church. I mean, I just tell you what, it just about broke me. You say, preacher, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. We're worried about tomorrow. We're worrying about next week. We're worrying about next month. And God gives us enough grace for today. And we put all week's problems on today, but we don't have all week's grace for today. We have enough grace for today. That's why he said uh, 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 in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this. God's not going to give you bread for tomorrow. You know why? Because he wants us to live in anticipation and expectation of his imminent return. If he comes tonight, we won't need no bread tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. God's already been there. Let's focus on today. I, I, I don't know why this is coming to my mind. But I had a guy. I had a guy come to me when I was in South Carolina. I was. I was. Uh, actually, I was cleaning a, a coon in, on my tailgate in the front yard of the church. Yeah, huh? And uh, uh, been coon hunting the night before, and and the guy pulls up, and I I he we'd coon hunted before. And he told me, this is exactly, I'll never forget it. He said, uh, he said, I went to the doctor today. You could tell he was a little upset. He said, I went to the doctor today. I said, what happened? He said, I was told I got six months to live. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not good with that kind of stuff. I didn't know what to say. I had no, I, I mean, I was completely, completely just speechless. And this is, this is all I could think of. I said, what are you going to do? And it was like the question caught him off guard. And he kind of just cocked his head a little bit and then come right back with a statement. He said, I tell you what, I'm just going to live till I die. Now think about that. In other words, I'm not going to worry if it's six months, seven months, seven years, 20 years. I'm just going to live till that day comes. And do you realize that is exactly what the Bible says? We're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to be, he says, uh, uh, all of y'all that, uh, the, your life is as a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. He says, we make plans and all of this stuff. 
And what God is saying, look, focus on today. Focus on today. Quit worrying about the economy. Quit worrying about all these things. Trust me. Put me first. It says this, honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. In other words, if you will put him first with all your substance, he's going to take care of you. If you will put him first. You see, he doesn't, he doesn't need your dollar. He does need your loyalty. He is after your love. He is after your affection. He wants to be first in your life. But he knows where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's why there was such a drastic change that took place in Peter's life. And he began to follow Jesus because the fish no longer was the treasure. Jesus was. So he had to trust him. He had to trust him. Now, we see there's a pattern to exercise. Then, then see, there's a promise to enjoy. There's a promise to enjoy. Let's go back to Proverbs. Let's go back to Proverbs. <clears throat> it says this. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. If we'll put him first, if we'll put him first, then watch what verse 10 says. So shall thy barns be filled with and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Basically, it's agriculture talk for saying you're going to be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. You will always have what you need if you will put him first. He does not put stipulations on this. He doesn't say uh, if the economy's okay. He doesn't say any other thing. He says if you put me first, I'm going to take care of you. So in this chapter, he says trust in the Lord with our way of life. Trust in the Lord with our wealth. But then, number three, and let's all put on a seatbelt. Because this is going to get interesting. He says, listen, despise not the chastening of the Lord. We have, we've got to trust the Lord when it comes to our ways. We've got to trust the Lord when it comes to our wealth. We've got to trust the Lord, number three, when it comes to our, say it with me, our whippings. Now, there's probably no other church in all of America that you'll hear that point. But it was alliterated and it fit. Say amen. Do you know what chastening means? A whipping. So, it is what it is. Why, 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 do, you think, why do you think that somebody with supernatural wisdom would have to tell us Look, don't get all bent out of shape when God has to get your attention. Now think about this. Who we're reading from is from somebody that God gave supernatural wisdom beyond anybody that's ever been or ever will be. And he's saying, guys, look, don't get all tore up when God has to give you a whooping. You know why I think he said that? Because we all, like sheep, have gone sometime in our life, God's had to get our attention. Sometime in our life, God's had to correct us. I could tell you stories in my life. You could tell me stories in your life. Some have been worse than others. 
Some have been simple, still small voice. It got my attention. But sometimes it wasn't like that. And I wished it was. Well, what's it going to take? Uh, what, what, what determines the level of whooping that I get? It de depends on how stubborn you are. Completely. I don't know. I've, I've, got, I've got a whole litter of kids. So I've got several. And if you have several, you know none of them's alike. Uh, I've got one. I've got one that sh she's got a rebellious streak in her a little bit, and uh, she's hard-headed and and stubborn. And uh, you really gotta, you really gotta. But I've got one, and I'm not gonna reveal who it is. Uh, but I've got one that I can just and and will just melt down into the carpet. Won't even, won't even have to, won't even have to say nothing. Just give the eye. And you see, whatever God has to do, He's gonna do. Now, there's different levels. If we go, and we're gonna look at Hebrews here in just a minute. But He talks about a rebuke. He talks about a correction. He talks about scourging. And these are all different levels, and they're more intense. Some are more intense than others. And uh, I know you, you'll probably never learn about getting whoopings in Sunday school, but we're, this is where we're at in Proverbs, amen? Watch what it says. Watch what it says. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews 12 and do it because we got 5 minutes and 43 seconds. 42 seconds. 39. It's in the Old Testament. I mean, New Testament people. I'm about. All right. Don't we have fun on Wednesday night? Ain't this great? All right, watch this. Watch this. Now, y'all were in Hebrews 12, verse number, verse, yeah, yeah, that's right, verse 5. Now, watch, you stay there. Now, see, he quotes, he quotes Proverbs. Paul goes into more detail, okay? I'm going to read what Proverbs says, and then we're going to read what Paul says that Proverbs says, and then he says something about it. So, basically, uh, Paul is giving a, a portion of commentary about what Proverbs says. That's why we're putting these together. Does that make sense? Okay, Paul's going into detail, and they're both Scripture. They're both anointed. They're both the Word of God. But Paul goes into more detail about what Solomon said in Proverbs. Now, this is what it says in Proverbs. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Now, watch what Paul says. Let's read Hebrews 12, 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, now he goes to quoting it. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. See, that's a, that scourgeth is a more extreme form of correction. Every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. In other words, now he's appealing to our, our parents. He's saying, look, you had parents that corrected you, and you respected them for it. Why are you going to get mad at God when God has to get your attention? All right? Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? 
Watch what he says now. This is a good part. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our... Why would God correct you? For our... That we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I've never got a whooping from my dad and said, man, this is great. This is just wonderful. Can we go another round, please? And if you did, your parent didn't do it right. It's not fun. It's not joyable. Listen, enjoyable. Listen, look what he says. It doesn't seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now let's look at three things. Let's put these two together. Let's put these two together. Watch what he says. A, write this down. There's a message we receive out of this verse. Verse 11. There's a message we receive. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. The word despise means to look down or view as worthless. When God has to get your attention, don't think it's worthless. Don't think there's nothing good going to come out of it. Don't think that God just hates you. How many times have, if God's got to get your attention, the devil's creeped up on your shoulder and said, uh-huh, God must hate you. Boy, if God loved you, you wouldn't be going through all this. Boy, if God loved you, you wouldn't be experiencing it. If God loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this much pain. And it'll make you look down upon it. It'll make you feel like it's worthless. Why am I going through this? No chastening at the time is pleasant either to the father or to his son. But the benefits are profitable. I'm sure that few children believe it when their parents say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I didn't until I had kids. But it is true just the same. The father does not enjoy having to discipline his children, but the benefits afterward make the chastening an evidence of his love. What are some of the benefits? For one thing, there is the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Instead of continuing in sin, the child strives to do what is right. There is also peace instead of war. The peaceable fruit of righteousness, the rebellion has ceased, and the child is in a loving fellowship with the father. You see... I remember, I remember one time we had a long concrete driveway that ended up at the paved road. Well, when, you got, when you're a little kid and you got a new bicycle, that long driveway was just a good runway. And, 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 and to hit the highway and jump across and all that, but see, what well, we were too naive and young to understand that there's semis coming up down the highway. And they're not going to be able to stop in time if we shoot out there on our bicycle. So dad had a little area in the road or in that driveway that if we went past. It was not real pleasant at home. Now, if you don't know what I'm saying, we got a. Not because he hated us. But because he knew what was safe. Now, watch this, guys. Please get this. If you remain in your sins, the wages of sin is if you keep going the direction you're going, you're saved, but you keep doing stupid things. Those seeds you're putting in the ground are going to come up. You can't plant seeds and sow your wild oats and hope there's not a harvest. And if God doesn't correct you, you're going to keep doing that. And guess what? You're going to get hurt. 
My dad whooped a fire out of us because he didn't want us to get out in that road and get killed. And God is the same way. He will get your attention because he knows if you keep sowing those seeds of sin, you're going to pay for it in the worst kind of way, and he doesn't want to see you hurt because the whipping he gives you will not hurt near as bad as the pain and the suffering from death. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why. You know, it's amazing to me. I just cannot fathom in my mind people that come to this church and they keep living a lifestyle they know is contrary to God's word and, and, and I, I don't get that. And I'll tell you why this is really dangerous. Because the Bible says, if you're without chastening, watch. Let me give you B. What was A? We see the, then I want you to see this, the motive we recognize. The motive we recognize. It says in verse number 12, for whom the Lord, for whom the Lord loveth. Why would he correct you? Why would he correct you? That's right. Chastening is the evidence of the Father's love. Satan wants us to believe that the difficulties of life are proof that God does not love us, but just the opposite is true. Sometimes God's chastening is seen in his rebukes from the word. How many of y'all have left mad from church before? Don't lie. You're going to get indigestion after church. Come on now, be honest. He's bugging my phone. I've had people come to me after in a somewhat joking manner. Uh, has my wife been talking to you? And, and you know, we think that, oh, he's getting, you know, I, I've been reading the Bible and God showed me something in my life that I had to have it with and that he had to correct me, like pride and areas like that. And I didn't like it. And I didn't, I didn't you know, it didn't make me feel real happy when he has to rebuke me from his word or other circumstances. God will do whatever it takes to get your attention, including hurt you. When I was in Bible college, I went one semester and went to South Carolina, and uh, I grew up in South Florida, and it was warm down there. And in, in South Carolina, it was cold. and It was real cold. It was like 25 degrees. And 25 degrees in Florida, you stayed home. And, and 25 degrees up there, you went to work, and I, I was working with a landscaper, and we was picking wild onions out of a clay, a clay, a hard, frozen clay site. Are y'all with me? I was homesick. Son, I'm telling you, I'd see planes flying over, and i said, please take me home. Please take me home. I got home, and I said, I ain't going back to that place. God forsaken, God ain't up there. That place is, that, that's Egypt. I'm in, in that, I ain't going... And I started getting in arguments with my mom and dad and, 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 and just getting rebellious, had an attitude. And I joined a stupid baseball league for guys right out of college, me and my cousin, some of the guys that we played ball with in high school and, and, and was shagging fly ball. Just got in a bad argument with mom, just disrespectful and, and uh, just because I didn't want to go. And, I was, and God had been trying to tell me and get my attention a bunch of different ways. And... Uh, we was hitting fly balls, and I was out in the outfield, and I was catching just shagging balls before the coach got there, and he hit one long. I was running as hard as I could run, and I caught the ball and turned around, and I kissed a chain-link fence. Boom! 
I'm talking about it cut my face all to pieces. I hit the ground, and I stood up and fell back down, and I had blood just going everywhere. And the first thought I had, I'm supposed to be at school. Guess where I was at two weeks later? Oh, I don't believe God do that. You can believe what you want to, but I was at school. Now, if you don't think that God will get your attention, you're, you're kidding yourself. You got a biblical example. Do I have to go to Jonah in the whale? Y'all with me? Now, how many of y'all, be honest, all, all kidding aside and all, all silliness aside, how many of y'all have felt God's bailed on you before? It's not real fun, is it? But I promise you, he never does it to have fun. He does it because he loves you. Now watch. At other times, he shows his love by punishing us with some physical suffering whatever the experience we can be sure that his chastening hand is controlled this is great underline this right here whatever the experience we can be sure that his chastening hand is controlled by his loving heart the father does not want us to be pampered babies he wants us to become mature adults sons and daughters who can be trusted with the responsibilities of life C oh uh, message we receive, motive we recognize. See the mark we reflect. He says in verse 12, even as a father, the son in whom he delighted. You see, Paul went into more detail explaining this and said, look, don't getting corrected by God is a good thing. It is a good thing. And you say, how could it be a good thing? Because what Paul is saying here, it's just evidence that you belong to him. It's evidence that you belong to him. Because if you did not belong to him, he would not correct you. And he, and he even used the word bastard. And all that means is an illegitimate. An illegitimate. If you say, preacher, I'm saved. But you can go out and run around and shack up and, 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 and just do all the things that you know the Bible clearly teaches not to. And God doesn't get your attention and correct you. And you can keep doing it with no correction at all then you're illegitimate. I didn't say it. Paul said it. God said it. And that's why it, it, really, it really makes me afraid. It really makes me afraid that people that comes into church and they really enjoy it and they talk about it and they, and they know they're living contrary to this word, but they're still just as happy, just as carefree, and nothing's happening. And God, listen, when I'm in sin, when I've, done, I've got something in my life that doesn't need to be there, I'm miserable because God won't leave me alone. God is in my face. God is correcting me. He is chastening me until I get it right. And if you can be happy in your life and you're living in sin and you know you're living in sin and there's no issues, then you need to really worry and check up because God says if you're without chastening, you're a bastard and not a son because the correction is a mark of sonship. God is not going to whoop somebody that does not belong to him. Are you all with me? 
all of us had a father, and if this father was faithful, he had to discipline us. If a child is left to himself, he grows up to become a selfish tyrant. The point the writer made is that a father chastens only his own sons, and this is proof that they are his children. Now, we may feel like spanking the neighbor's children, and our neighbors may feel like spanking ours, but we cannot do it. God's chastening is proof that we are indeed his children. When it comes to a whooping, the Lord is saying right here, just trust me. You may not like what's happening. You may not like what you're experiencing. You may not like what you're going through. But when it's all said and done, you're going to be so much better off for it. Trust me. You know, your parents said it, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. You know what they were really saying? You need to trust me. I know you hate me right now for, for getting this whooping, but you're going to thank me when you turn out better. You're going to thank me when you don't end up in prison. You're going to thank me when you don't become a menace to society. You're going to thank me when you don't become a spoiled brat. Just trust me. And ladies and gentlemen, trust him with your way of life. Trust him with your wealth. Trust him with everything. Even trust him when he has to get out a stick. Trust him. Why should I trust him with all those things? Because he loves you more than you could ever know. Trust him. Amen? Father, thank you for everyone here. Thank you for the study. Lord, these are things that, that really, it, it takes faith. It takes trust. And God, I'm glad that we can curl up in your lap and know that you love us and you care about us more than we could ever know. God, I pray that you'll bless everyone here tonight. Bless those that need to get saved. Bless those that need to get saved. We'll, we'll, we'll have some folks at this altar, and they're coming right now. They, they're going to get their Bibles, and they're going to come right now and, and be at this altar because some people have found out tonight that they're not saved. They found out tonight that they're not saved because, Lord, they've been living a lifestyle that's contrary to your word. And, 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 and Lord, they haven't experienced that correction. So they need to trust you as their Savior. And, God, they're going to come tonight. And, and after this, I dismiss, Lord, we're going to have folks down at this altar with a Bible that can take a Bible and show them how to be saved. God, I pray for that one that just needs to get right. I pray for that one that just needs to get right. They don't have to be at this altar. They can be at their pew. But they need to get right. They need to come to you so the chastening will stop. Lord, I'm so glad to know that when I do come to you, that you won't keep whooping me, that I won't have to keep going through it if I'll just repent and turn to you and trust you. And God, I pray that in all areas of our life, whether it's just small decisions, big decisions, our wealth, our stewardship, our generosity, Lord, the areas of correction in our life, I pray that we'll all grow and know to trust you. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people said, amen. As we dismiss, they're going to be here. And if you, listen, don't leave here lost. Don't leave here lost. And don't leave here not right with God. Trust him today. You're dismissed. You're dismissed.
Don't forget the devotion books. If you left uh, Sunday and forgot the devotion books, make sure and pick up your devotion book. And also we've got all of our new uh, invitations with the new times on it. Pick them up also.